Well, you guys know that I usually like to start my messages off one or two ways, or my talks one or two ways. And the first way is I like to tell stories, specifically stories that make fun of people, make you guys laugh, loosen everything up. And today we're talking about conflict. And as a pastor, I get to hear about everyone's conflict. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this will be the best opening ever as I just anonymously go through and talk about every fight spouses have had, every fight they've had with their kids, their coworkers, their bosses, this is gonna be great. And a lot of you are avoiding eye contact with me right now. I just want you to know I'm joking. I would never, ever, ever, ever uh, blow your trust like that. So instead, I just wanna ask for a quick show of hands. Okay, this is the compromise. I'm not gonna share your story, but you gotta then be willing to raise your hand with me. Who here, has experienced some sort of relational conflict in the last month, the last couple of months. Go ahead, I'll go first, because it's true, okay? Keep your hands up, okay, because we're taking a poll here. Leave your hands up if you have had a conflict in the past couple of weeks. If you haven't had a conflict relationally in the last couple of weeks, you put your hands down, okay? Leave your hands up if you've had a conflict in the last two or three days. Everyone look around the room, these are the liars whoever just dropped their hands. They're all liars. Okay, no. Um, you know, perhaps the barista at Starbucks gave you too much sass. Probably your mother-in-law definitely is like, oh yeah, now I remember that thing two days ago. Um, does anyone want to admit the conflict that you had in the car right here this morning? No, you don't have to do that. It's too fresh. It's too fresh. We'll come back to that. Um, conflict is a very relevant thing to talk about because we all, frankly, we have conflict. And all joking aside, oftentimes relational conflict weighs a lot on us. It weighs, I mean, it's like so intangible and yet has a physical, spiritual, and emotional reaction. We can't point to it and say, hey, look at this big relational conflict that I have. But we can feel the big relational conflicts that we have. Relational conflict can be so stressful and some of the most difficult stuff we face because most of us agree that relationships are the most important things in our lives, our relationship with God, our relationship with other people. A lot of us wouldn't say that there's something more important than our relationship. So when those things aren't going right, of course we're freaking out and stressed out and burned out and trying to overdo it. Today is the second part of our series called Relationship Goals. Um, I'm excited for this series. Every single year we do a series on relationships just because people change constantly. And just when you think you've figured out your spouse, your kids, your family, your coworkers, your boss, your neighbors, they change or you change. And so we have to every single year keep revisiting how to have good relationships because every year it's going to keep coming up. And last week um, we were talking about connection goals and and if we're gonna have better relationships, we need to have some connection goals. And if we're gonna connect with other people, we need to be willing to be vulnerable. Now that was all nice and everything, and let's have fun with that, let's be vulnerable. But today we get to talk about the good stuff, and that's conflict. And I know that's you're really excited to be here um, today. Uh, your conflict goal, I want you to have three times the amount of conflict you normally have every single day. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, Conflict is inevitable. There's no point in trying to avoid it or ignore it. Some of you need to hear that. There's no point in trying to ignore conflict. Okay, do you hear me? That might be the most important thing that you hear me say today. 
The problem, if you avoid it, if you avoid conflict, the problem, whatever it is that you're trying to pretend isn't there, is just going to continue to get worse and pick up speed. More often than not, your problems will not just figure themselves out. It's going to take active participation on your part to address it. Um, conflict is not also, on the flip side of that, conflict isn't something you should force your way into. So some of you need to hear that. Some of you are like, I don't ever want to talk about conflict. I just want to avoid it. Others of you are ready to grab that bull by the horns and, and take it. Now, simmer down a little bit, okay? Like, we're going to get there. Um, but I want to talk about conflict goals. What are ways that we can have healthy conflict resolution and ways that we can work out the conflict that is inevitable in our lives uh, in a healthy and constructive way? Jesus had a lot to say about conflict. Probably one of the most notable things that he said about conflict was, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. As children of God, you have to be peacemakers. Jesus didn't ask your opinion, hey, do you want to be a peacemaker? He actually called you to it. It's a command to obey, not a request to say yes or no about now, Paul echoed these words when he wrote to Christians living in an oppressive Roman Empire. He said, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. These are some convicting and hard truths to come to grips with this morning because Jesus says, if you're a follower of me, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer here, you have to be a peacemaker, active participant. Paul says, in case you were wondering, there's not a situation or circumstance in which you don't have to be. All of you Christians living under this oppressive Roman Empire, being killed for your faith and all of that, you have to do everything within your power to be a peacemaker. There's no situation or circumstance in which you don't get to be a peacemaker. It is never optional. Now, let's be honest this morning that you and the person you're sitting next to, you have different ways of handling conflict. You even approach conflict very differently than somebody that you're married to or your parents or your family. We all kind of do this. And so uh, I want to help you figure out where you're at. And so I'm going to use the whiteboard. This is where this comes into play. And over here, we're going to call this conflict avoidant. This is where you get to see how bad my handwriting is. Avoidant. Cool. Spelled that right. And then the spectrum is going to go like this. And so these conflict avoidant people, um, man, you guys do not ever want to deal with conflict. Like, just keep it away from me. This is your least favorite topic to talk about besides tithing. Just got real in here. Okay. You do not want to ever talk about conflict. As a matter of fact, that we're talking about conflict feels a little confrontational to you right now, and you're kind of squirming in your seat. You're like, why did I show up today? God gave me a sign. He said, don't go. Look at all the snow. And here I am. Just stay in your seat, okay? This, it gets better. On the other side, we have people who are conflict assertive, okay? Conflict assertive. And these are people who are just so excited to brush in assertive. Um, brush in and, and, and deal with conflict again, um, you need to calm down, okay? So what I want you to think about is where you land here, anywhere in here. Are you somewhere in the middle? You're like, yeah, when it comes to conflict, I can or I can't. Some of you are definitely, you know you're conflict avoidant. My, that's my wife, Megan, conflict avoidant, hardcore. It works out for our marriage because I'm way over here, conflict assertive. I'm like, let's get this done. I think that a lot of us, where you land on the spectrum has to do with your upbringing 
and the family in which you came from. And I'm not trying to blame your mom and pop for all your issues today, okay? You can still take responsibility for those. But I am saying that um, how you grew up does matter. For example, in my family growing up, my family was very conflict avoidant until they weren't. Does that make sense? Somebody said something to someone like three years ago, and then somehow it like got brought up oddly. Next thing you know, there's yelling, there's screaming. I'm punching my brothers. He's laying on the floor screaming for my dad. I'm grounded for a month. I have to pay the car bill. You know, all of these things. Um, it was just terrible. And so as you think about your family, okay, you think about where you are. Oh, somewhere right here. Think about where your family is. And this is kind of getting your mind wrapped around to our talk today because you have to know where you're at, which requires some self-awareness. Now, I would say that because my family was so conflict avoidant, I've kind of overcorrected. And I'm like, nope, any sense of conflict, we're just going to sniff it out. Like the minute I think there's a problem, we're going to talk about it because we're not going to do this. We're like three years later, it comes out and uh, yeah, does that. Now, some of you conflict avoidant, and so you're still conflict avoidant, completely possible that my family never dealt with conflict. I, I still don't deal with conflict. Some of you grew up in a family that was like, every Thanksgiving is a brawl, right? I mean, like, you guys are the people who are, like, the only people not excited about the holidays. You're like, I got to sit next to my over-religious aunt, my over-political uncle. We're going to have fights. We're not going to want to see each other for another year. And usually that's how that goes. Now, we're going to come back to this. Continue to think where you would put yourself on this. And if you came with somebody, just ask them. They know exactly where you're at, Okay. Where does conflict come from every single day? I'm not talking about the obnoxious driver who actually goes the speed limit. That gets under my skin. I can't tell you. It's not the coworker who has the most annoying sounding voice in the entire world. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you are the coworker with the annoying voice. Just kidding. See, there's the conflict assertiveness in me. Um, there's real conflict, and I think that it comes from two different places. Okay, I think when it comes to conflict, there are filters in which we see the world. And I think the first way that conflict kind of comes up is we see the world when we're wounded, wounded-based filters. Dad said something to you when you were a kid, teacher said something to you when you're a kid, and even though you know it's not right, it still kind of like bounces around and it shapes your perspective on conflict. For example, growing up, um, my dad just told me, do the best you can, and only you can know if you did that. It can look like you did the best you could, but if deep down you know you only did like 80%, that's not good. You always have to give 100%. So it's always 100%. Now, there was this other part of me, and get this more from my mom, which is like the opinions of people count for something. And so I'm kind of cursed with this caring about what people think about me aspect of my personality. So on the one hand, I've got, I'm just going to try my best and whatever happens, happens. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, you know, I really like people to like me too. And I know, I know, you, you know, if you're trying to please man, you can't please God. I get all of that. I'm working through it. It's an issue, another message for another day. But for today, um, and I just remember having experiences where I really did try super hard, felt like I did a good job. But there was a boss or a coworker or some coach said something to me that like discredited the effort, discredited how hard I had worked when deep inside I had like really worked hard. So if you want to pick a fight with me, if you want to have a confrontation, it won't take much because I'm conflict assertive, but if you really want to pick a fight, question my work ethic. Ask me what I'm doing, but do it in a way that's like I'm not doing anything. 
I love it. I'm like, I beat people to the punch usually. Like, what do you do Monday through Friday? I'm like, well, I just sit at home all day and play board games online. Like, what do you think I do? I'm a pastor. I only work Sundays, right? No, I'll beat you to it. I'll joke. But, but when people are serious about questioning my work ethic, I'm like, I'm ready to fight. I'm like, all right, you want to go? You want to question my work ethic? You know, the same year I moved to Madison, I was working on a master's degree. We started a church. I managed the Starbucks that went from the 95th ranked in the region to top 10. Did I mention we started a church? And so then I go back to that. I'm like, let's fight. And I got to remember that that's not the way, but I, I'm kind of skewed to that, right? So when somebody does make a joke and it's innocent or something, I get super defensive. And you probably do too. Maybe not about your work ethic. That's okay. That's my thing. You can have your own thing. Absolutely. But what is it when somebody jokes with you, you all of a sudden get serious. You get defensive. You put your fist up and you're ready to fight. Those are things that you need to be aware of as you not only think, where do I land on this? But what makes me get into these conflicting situations? The other ones are expectation-based kind of filters, okay? And these happen a lot in families and in relationships, expectations. When you have an expectation here and reality is here, all this space between reality and expectation is conflict, okay? And so what begins to happen is you have conflict because there are unspoken expectations, Anyone who's been married for more than a year, you know that there are like, oh my goodness, there are a lot of unspoken expectations. Anyone who has a job, you realize that there are unreasonable expectations. You better respond to my email in four hours. Well, that's kind of an unreasonable expectation. And then there are unagreed upon expectations. I never said I would do that. I never said I would do that. And then, so we get into these situations. I think it's important to say, one, where am I at on this little scale here? But then two, just ask yourself a question. Am I responding to this today? Or am I responding to a past wound? Am I responding to this issue? Or am I responding to my disappointment because I didn't manage my expectations correctly? Because I didn't communicate my expectations correctly? Maybe both and yes, and all of the above. So we know that you know there are probably 10, 20, 100 ways that we can get into conflict, but I think that you're going to find out that most of the time it comes into these two camps. Um, recognizing the source of our conflict or the reason behind our conflict can help us begin to work on having healthy conflict resolution. I don't want to just skip to the end and say, here are the three things you need to do, and bada bing, bada boom, your relationships are going to be great, because it does require a great deal of responsibility taking on our part and self-awareness to realize where we are at. There are healthy and unhealthy ways to respond to conflict, okay? There are healthy and appropriate ways to respond to conflict, and then there are not. So let's go back to our conflict scale, and let's add this. The math people in the room love it. Look at the charts. It's great. Up here, we're going to say this is high caring and this is low caring. And so what I want you to begin to think is, okay, you kind of maybe at this point, you've had 10, 15 minutes to think about where you'd be left and right. Now I want you to begin to think where you are up and down. So now it's going to get more specific and you're going to go into one of our quadrants here. Am I high caring? Do I care about people? Do I love people? Or am I all brass tacks down the business, don't really care? 
Okay, now I wanna label these because labels absolutely help us judge people, right? So let's have fun with this. Okay, in this corner here, we're gonna call these guys, if you find yourself here, and I imagine most of you are, peacekeepers. You care a lot. You do care a lot. You have a big heart. That's awesome. Also, don't ever wanna talk about anything that's hard. So we're gonna walk in this weird little area that is peacekeepers. Hey, you know what, peacekeepers are awesome. Not to be confused with peacemakers though. Don't forget how we started this, Jesus' teachings. We're supposed to be peacemakers. Let's talk about peacekeepers. They think that they're doing the right thing, and this is likely a lot of you. You think you're doing the right thing by not speaking up, by not rocking the boat, by just going with the flow. And then what ends up happening when there is a conflict that you just can't avoid, we get the silent treatment, we live in denial, people who just walk away out of a conversation. Where'd you go? Are we not just talking? Okay. Passive aggressive comments, my favorite passive aggressive comments when it's like, wait, what did you say? Nothing. No, I know you said something and I know it's going to make me mad. And it's just making me more mad not knowing about it. And then my wife's like, gotcha. I'm like, ah! This is not the way though for Christians to handle conflict. Peacekeeping, good heart. Good heart behind it. Absolutely. But this is not the way that we are supposed to do this. If we care for our relationships, we need a better strategy than just trying to maintain peace in our families, our neighborhoods, our co-working spaces, or wherever. Jesus is a great model of peacemaking, not just peacekeeping. I know in our society, we tend to think of Jesus as this easygoing hippie who would never like ruffle anybody's feathers. But there are times when Jesus confronts people, has conflict, and it gets him kicked out of town. Some of you conflict avoidant people, imagine doing something and you got kicked out of Madison. You're dying right now. Well, that happened to Jesus. He confronted religious leaders, people of influence, and it ended up getting him killed on a cross. He kept making all of these comments and it became the mission of the religious leaders to get rid of Jesus. He even confronted his closest friends. Jesus is an equal opportunity offender, okay? Everybody gets to be offended by Jesus. In one of his most famous teachings, again, going back to Matthew chapter five, he says, if you enter a place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave, immediately go to this friend and make things right. Now look, if this was me and not Jesus, I would say leave your offering and then go make things right. But Jesus is Lord, I am not. And what he's saying is, okay, what he's saying, let's get really literal here. He's saying, think of the most important and sacred and spiritual thing you can come up with. What's the most important, sacred, spiritual thing? I'm going to church and I'm giving. And Jesus is like, okay, great. That's what you're doing. I'm telling you there's something more important. If there's outstanding conflict, you need to stop what you're doing, make the time to deal with it now, move into more of a conflict assertive stance. Okay, let's move on here. And uh, this bottom corner here, bottom left, we're just gonna move down. If you avoid conflict and you find yourself not caring, I'm actually gonna describe this with a feeling instead of a title. And the feeling down here is apathy. If you're low on love, low on any desire, energy 
to address the conflict at all. For a lot of reasons, you just don't have hope anymore. Um, the best word to describe probably how you feel is apathy. You feel beat up, worn down, or maybe that it's, it's just plain over, whatever it is, the job, the relationship, the situation, the circumstances. And that's a really tough place to be. And I realize that I might be talking to some of you, and if you're listening online, there's somebody listening who, who you find yourself in this bottom left quadrant of just feeling apathy. And I'm not personally there myself, but I have a ton of compassion for you because I know that this must be a hard place to be in. But not just compassion. I want to challenge you this morning and say that your family is absolutely worth fighting for. Your marriage is absolutely worth fighting over and for. Our friendships are worth fighting for. Apathy down here is a scary place to be because we're avoiding conflict and we also don't care what happens. It's one of the few times of the year, but it does come up every now and then, where I say that if you find yourself here, I want to encourage you to find the money and to make the time to see a counselor or a therapist because you've you, you probably started off up here or over here and you've gotten pulled into this after time of just wanting to avoid conflict and I just don't care. You're beat up. And, and I'm not saying like, ooh, there's something wrong with you. I'm saying, ooh, let's fight. Let's fight. Now, of course, as your pastor and friend, I'm more than happy to go out to Panera with you, have a coffee and talk about those things with you. I would just say that a professional would probably be better in a season of time to try to work out some of the bigger things that are going on. Again, your marriage, worth fighting for. Your family, worth fighting for. Your friends, worth fighting for. Do not settle for apathy. Do not stop caring. Let's go into this bottom right corner. Another title. Conflict assertive and not caring is a bully. Addressing conflict. You're assertive about conflict, but you just don't care. That makes you a bully. You're like walking into every situation with your fist ready to go. As a matter of fact, you probably don't even remember why you're fighting. What's the issue at hand? All I know is that I'm fighting with this person, and that is definitely not how we're supposed to be as Christians. Paul shares an important piece of wisdom in Ephesians. He says, believers, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love, which you can't do if you don't care. You can't do if you, how can you speak the truth, conflict assertive, in love if you don't care? You have to care. If you think you're a bully, you probably are. And I'm being confrontational with you because I think you can take it, okay? If you're in this quadrant, I think you can take it. I know that personally, sometimes I find myself, depending on the topic down here, I just don't care, but I just want to get the problem out of the way. That makes me not a nice person. That's why some people call me a jerk. And that's, you know, not all the time. Judd says all the time. He's wrong. He's down in this corner with me, aren't you? Okay, thank you. Okay, I see. I see how it is. Okay. There's the peacekeeper. There is apathy. And there is the bully. But where we are supposed to be, let's go back to Jesus's words. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm going to argue that the peacemaker is up here. High caring, but also conflict assertive. And no matter which quadrant, that you find yourself in today, we all want to take a step toward the peacemaking quadrant. Peacemakers are the people who speak the truth in love, and they do so intentionally by taking the time to frame their words with kindness. This is where the advice comes in. 
okay, Steven, I know where I'm at, conflict avoidant, not conflict avoidant, I'm a bully, I'm, I'm a peacekeeper, whatever it might be. What do I need to do? I'm so glad that you're asking. Do you remember that little card you got when you walked in? You don't want to just have that in front of you for a little bit while I talk because there are three possible solutions. People who study psychology and conflict resolution will make a couple different recommendations for you. And they start off with easy offenses and they go deeper to more troubling offenses. And so the very first thing that you can do is say, I notice and I prefer. I notice this, but I prefer this. For example, it might sound, hey, Megan, I noticed that you took all the stuff I was working on, the kitchen counter, and threw it all on my desk disorganized. And I would prefer you just don't ever touch my stuff. Okay? That's just a fake analogy. That didn't happen yesterday or anything. Okay? Um, again, just random. It's a fairly simple way to approach conflict. And it's much better than, hey, idiot, clean the counter off. I prefer I notice. Again, random, did not happen yesterday. Don't look into this. I notice and I prefer is a better model of conflict resolution because you're addressing the issue and you're doing so in a kind and respectful way. Now, again, this is kind of entry level. These are the little things that are getting on your nerves. A second strategy, we're getting a little bit deeper here. Okay, why is the kitchen counter always filled with Steven's stuff? Why is Megan always hiding my stuff from me? Second strategy then is that we come to each other and we say, I am puzzled. I am perplexed. And this is a little bit more serious because now we're getting to the point of inquiring. And in conflict, it is very important to try to understand the best you can the other person. Otherwise, again, we're going to be talking in circles and not actually dealing with the problem. And so we need to take kind of an investigative journalist approach here where we are asking questions. I'm really puzzled as to why you're not returning my text messages. Is something wrong? I'm perplexed on why you're not responding to my emails. Do you not want to be a part of this thing anymore? For example, okay, um, I'm perplexed about a decision you made. That's what I, I tell my son all the time, Oliver, four years old. I'm perplexed. Why did you do this? I'm really, I'm mad, but I'm trying to understand what went through your little mind in that moment when you did that thing. You can always follow up with, can you help me understand? Like, I am trying to understand the motive, the thoughts, the ideas that are going through your head. And I know that you're saying that, you know what, this kind of sounds simple. Well, yeah, it's simple in theory and it's very difficult in practice. Go home with someone you've been married to 10 or five years or a coworker or a boss you've worked with for a long time. And, and when that person does that thing that annoys you, you know, say, I'm perplexed by that. You know, that is very difficult to actually do and to take on the role of I'm asking good questions. Now, it does get to a point where maybe the issues are more ongoing. It's been going on for years. It's more than um, missed calls, rearranging your stuff around the bathroom sink. Again, just random analogies if you're watching this, Megan. Um, it's been my experience that most serious conflicts are more to have more to do with your emotions than the actual issue itself. If your feelings have been hurt, and this is the third and kind of the deepest stage that we're going to go today, is to start by saying, I feel blank when you blank. You've tried talking it out. You've tried understanding where they're coming from. And for some reason or another, it keeps happening. And it's not making you feel good. Use your words, as I tell my four-year-old son, Oliver. Use your words. For example, I feel like you don't care what I'm talking about 
when you constantly interrupt me. I feel like you don't care about the things I care about when you're just constantly interrupting me or when you constantly forget the things that I tell you. I don't feel like you care about me. I feel disrespected when you ignore my suggestions, when you don't ask for my advice, when I give you my advice and you don't listen to it. It makes me feel disrespected. Now, it's important to notice that all of these phrases start with I statements. I don't want you to blame the other person. I don't want you to leave out of here and pick a fight with someone. I want you to start in here. I am perplexed. I feel blank. I notice and I prefer. We've all messed up. Nobody's perfect. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to have better ways of dealing with our conflict with your spouse, coworkers, boss, neighbors, friends. Who is the person that you're in conflict with? Remember, Jesus calls us to action. Go to that person and make it right. What would it look like for you to be a peacemaker in that relationship? When you think about the relationship that you're in conflict with, you bear the responsibility of being the peacemaker. If you're both here, you're a married couple, or you're both watching online, the responsibility is on both of you to be a peacemaker. How could you take just one step this week, this month, this year, on making peacemaking more of a daily habit in your own life? And so we gave you this card, this conflict goals card, and we want you to take this home. Like put it in your purse, put it in your pocket. We want you to take this home and fill this out. And then on the back side of the card, write out a plan of how you're going to address the conflict and put a time stamp on it. When are you going to do this? Don't fill this card out, put it on the refrigerator and not do anything with it until you move in three years. Okay? Do something about it this week. Let's end the way we started with the teaching of Jesus. He says, God blesses those who work for peace. God blesses those who work for peace. If you want to experience more of God's blessing in your life, be a peacemaker. Let's pray.